Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osband, here with my friend, Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Kitubot, daf mem aleph, page 41. So we're going to have our final Mishnah of this uh, parak, um, and I guess we'll just get straight to it. Ha'omer pititi et bito shelploni. So here we have a case where somebody admits to doing another act to another person and, and doing a damage. So if somebody says, I seduced the daughter of so-and-so, so the halacha is he has to pay the boshet and pagam, the humiliation and degradation, you know, fees, uh, because he admitted to this action, but he does not pay a fine. Ha'omer ganavti, if somebody says, I stole, so again, that person has to pay the principal of what he stole, but he doesn't pay the double payment or the payment of four and five times the principal, which is what happens if you if you stole a, uh, a sheep or an ox and you slaughtered it and then sold it. In other words, you're just going to pay for the principal itself. Hey, meet Sheree at Poloni, Oshoro at Poloni, right? If someone says my ox killed a per- this person or my ox killed, you know, uh, or an ox, you know, my ox killed um, uh, an ox belonging to that person, Right, So again, his payment is based only on his admission. Right, if he says, my ox killed a slave belonging to so-and-so, in that case, he does not pay on his own admission because there, that payment is only going to be a fine. This is the general principle. Anyone who pays more than what he damaged, in other words, any additional fines that are built into the halachic damage system, you don't pay if you admit to the crime itself. In other words, those fines are put in place if a person is found guilty of that crime on because of the testimony of somebody else. But if you come forward and say, I did X, Y, and Z action, and there's a knas, there's a fine to that, you end up not paying the fine. There's something you have to pay what the damages are, like what the principal is or the boshed or the pagam, but you don't actually pay the kanas, which is a very, very interesting concept because I guess what it's teaching us is something philosophical, at least about the kanas itself, right? The idea of the fine is, is that that is sort of a halachic penalty for sort of not in a way, I guess, like self-regulating your own behavior, right? If a person admits to having done something bad, you don't have to pay the kanas, but I guess the kanas is there almost in a way to sort of maybe as an incentive to have people come forward and sort of admit to what it is that they do. So the Gemara begins with a discussion of why don't they start with the case of, why don't they include the case of rape here, right? The litne anasti, right? Why don't they talk about I raped somebody? Loma baile, we didn't need a kaamar because uh, why? Lomi bai anasti, de logam pagambe, right? Because we don't need the case of where it says, right, I raped her because uh, he, what we're talking about is the, the case of seduction, okay, right, where he, lo pagam, like, he doesn't tarnish her, right? He really just incriminates himself. In other words, she's not tarnished through an act of rape because it's a terrible thing that happened to her, as opposed to a case of seduction, right? The Michelle Boshe de Pagam al See, I read a little bit ahead of here, right? He's going to have to pay in the case of rape of Boshan and Pagam because of himself. About Pitati, right? If he says, I seduced her, 
right? There could be a question that maybe he shouldn't have to pay for degradation because she, when the seduction is actually a consensual act, right? The idea is he seduced her. And so maybe she, she sort of degraded herself. Why should she get paid for that? Am I right? So maybe if he admits to it, she shouldn't get the pagam. And so it says that he does. So I think we also hear this passage really sort of gets to the key difference between these cases of rape that we've had and these cases of seduction that we've had. I don't love this term. I don't think there's like a good, I, I don't know. And do you think there's a better English translation for the seducer? No, I think it's pretty. Yeah, I, right, I, right. But, you know, it's it's. It's interesting because I, I obviously I, I think of it a little bit in terms of like some of our modern connotations of consent, but you know, rape is clearly the case that it is, right? It's a terrible thing where somebody forces, man forces himself on the woman. But this case of, you know, of, of the seducer, what's clear and what makes it a little bit more complicated is that the woman actually consented to it. But there's something about it, like uh, 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 that almost like in a way, like why would a woman consent to this? Because this is obviously going to terribly undo her reputation. Uh, it no longer makes her a virgin. Like there's, in other words, there's all these sort of like social consequences to it. So obviously in a way she can't be held almost like responsible for having uh, fallen for this type of seduction. Very, very different sexual morality than I think what we have today when we talk about issues around consent. And then the Gemara gets into, I'm not going to read it, sort of this very uh, kind of bizarre discussion, which is sort of like, well, maybe, you know, her reputation is tarnished in the case of seduction, but maybe you should still pay her father because her father cares. And it says, well, maybe her father doesn't care. And then it says, well, she should have some relative who cares. And it sort of keeps going through this. And it finally sort of concludes by saying that, there has to be some relative somewhere, even overseas, who cares that her reputation was ruined. And that's why the fine would still have to get paid. Um, you know, that maybe that's why the fine should actually get paid. Um, and so I think this Gemara here really, and through this Mishnah, really sort of explains to us like what actually is this case. And I think from the Gemara's point of view, they don't really care that the woman consented because the idea is, is that it just undoes her reputation and that undoing of her reputation in a way, like why would a woman have ever consented to that? I think that's a good question. Um, I want to, I'm going to jump to the second part of the Mishnah really in the, how the Gemara com comments on it. And as we noted in preparation, this is one of those times where, as much as the Mishnah begins as a Ketubot topic kind of Mishnah, and you think that's where it is, then suddenly it veers into Nizikin, right? Into issues of theft and damages and so on, which we've seen, you know, we've commented that we've seen it throughout the Gemara, but less so, or perhaps not at all, in the Mishnah until this one. And here, lo and behold, the Mishnah of Ketubot takes us to Babakama, really, where we're talking about damages. Um, so the next bit of the Gemara here, is addresses this citation from the Mishnah. Somebody who comes forward and again, as of, of his own admissions, admission says that he stole 
Then he has to pay the Karen. What does it mean he pays the Karen? He pays the principal that he stole. He has to return it. But what he doesn't have to pay is the kefel. The, the halacha for somebody who steals is that not only do they have to pay back what they took, or if that item is gone, then they have to pay the value of it, but they also have to pay double the amount of what they stole. As uh, and, and the discussion is, you know, presumably this is a knas. And then, as the mission says, you come forward of your own admission, then you should be exempt from that knas of the paying kefil, paying the double amount. The mission also talks about four and five. The four and five is specifically those who steal particular kinds of sheep or oxen. And the penalty for that, right, in terms of stealing sheep and oxen, isn't just double, but either four or five, respectively, um, meaning four or five times the value of the of the animal that was stolen, um, presumably to make it clear just how severe this kind of theft is. So then the Gemara here um, picks this up and says, Itamar, Palganiska. Palganiska is Aramaic. What we would call that in Hebrew is Chatzinezek, meaning that in there are cases of damages, and we'll talk about this much more extensively at the beginning of Babakama, where the payment for the damage, instead of it being what we'll call nezek shalem, right, paying the full amount of the damage that was incurred, the person who, I want to say who perpetrated the damage, but in this case, we're really talking about the person whose property perpetrated the damage only has to pay chatzi nezek, only half of the amount of the damage. Rav Papa Omer Mamona, and now we've got a machloket, which is a little bit later in Babakam, around, if I'm not mistaken, around Daf Yud Zion, maybe it's Ted Zion, um, 1670, where the discussion, maybe it's Ted Vav, which is Daf 15, right? Maybe the, where the question is whether that Chatzinezek payment, whether when the person whose property incurred damage or imposed damage on someone else's property, whether that half damage that they have to pay is that a knas? Meaning, is that a fine that they shouldn't have let their property, you know, even be in the vicinity to be able to cause that damage? Some measure of negligence, whatever. Or is it a knas? Is it a fine? Right? Meaning, is it compensation? Is it considered compensation due to the person or, or you know, partially to cover what the what the the guy who has damaged property should receive? Or is it a knas? Meaning simply as a penalty for the guy whose property did the damage. And so now the Gemara goes on to elaborate on this. Rav Papa Omar, Kasavar, Stam Shivarim Lav Shimor Kaime. Rav Papa says, it's a, it's a, I'm sorry, it's considered mamon, it's considered payment, right? That the amount of Chatzinezek, paying half of the damage incurred, is mamona, it's property payment, compensation, why? It says, Stam Shvarim Lav Bechizkat Shimor Kaime. The, the, an, av, uh, stam shvarim, uh, an average ox, a basic ox, an ox that has never gored in the past is not going to be considered a, an ox that gores. Meaning, and this is something I found shocking. I remember when I first learned Babakama, because the, people always talk about those oxen and how they gore. Oxen don't gore. Meaning, Maybe, you know, Ferdinand in the in the bullfight where you rile up a bull, then they will, you know, then they will stampede. But for the most part, what oxen do as a regular cause of damage is they'll trample on a flower bed, you know, like they'll walk and just by virtue of their weight, they make they could damage a lawn, for example, or they'll eat the flowers or the vegetables or whatever that's in front of them. And that's considered 
regular damage that an ox will do. But a regular ox is not love because kachim or kaime. You're not really expected an owner of an ox to 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 guard the ox from going and goring because that's not what oxen need to do. You know, usually do. You better keep the ox out of the out of the neighbor's farm, out of the neighbor's, you know, whatever crops and flower beds and so on. But you don't have to worry about them goring because that's not what they do. So the Gemari, or again, following on Rav Papa says here, it, the logic would have him pay the whole fine. I'm sorry, the whole sum of the damage. But the but Rachmana, Rachmana meaning Hashem, the merciful one, had mercy on him, on the person who owned the ox that did the damage. The Akate lo Tura. Because there was no warning that this ox was going to go gore. So the owner shouldn't have had to be, you know, protective against it, to protect against negligence. He wasn't negligent, but it was still his property that did the damage. So he should pay half, meaning maybe he should have paid the whole thing. But this view says maybe by rights, he should have paid the whole thing in terms of mammon, in terms of paying that value, but in terms of what was damaged. But because he had no reason to be worried about this, then then Hashem is going to have, you know, be lenient and he's only going to have to pay half the amount of the damage. Here we have the alternative view. Rather, we're going to look at this half payment as a, as a fine. What does that mean? He says, really, you should have some measure of watching. You do have to keep an eye out to watch your ox, to guard your ox and prevent you know, the presumptive elements of of damage that an animal can do. And so therefore the logic is that the owner should not have to pay at all because, I'm sorry, I've, I've said this backwards. He's, he does have the presumption that he's going to be safe meaning he's you're he it's a let me translate this better he's presumed to be guarded against goring because he has no history of goring so the shimor the guarding is that then the natural way that the animal is is that it's going to be protected against goring and i mis, i mistranslated or or didn't translate carefully enough the first time where it says that it's not going to be considered protected and therefore, you know, therefore you needed to do something to make sure that your ox would never end up in the proximity of somebody else's property to go ahead and gore. So here to, here the opposite is, Rav Huna Barid Rav Yeshua says he's protected against goring. He shouldn't have to pay anything at all. Not that he shouldn't have to pay the whole thing. And not that he should have to pay the whole thing, but only is going to have, the Torah is going to have mercy and he'll pay half. He shouldn't have to pay anything. But because but instead the the Hashem, the, the merciful one, is going to fine him. He's going to penalize him so that in the future he takes better care to guard his ox. Meaning, and so then the amount that he's paying, either way, it's the same amount. Meaning it's it's half the amount of the damage caused. But the way we look at this payment can be radically different. The Gemara, of course, goes on to discuss this much more, you know, in terms of when do we have uh, an ox that gores, you know, an ox that is known to be goring, that kind of ox is supposed to be put to death. But what if it gores again before 
you get to put him to death. And then then the owner would have to pay Nezek Shalai, meaning then that removes any question over whether this ox has a, has a protective status of not goring because it's proven itself to be a goring ox. But for the but the ox that has never gored and then does leaves us in this kind of this land of machloket over the nature. What is the chatzinezek? What is the nature of the chatzinezek that is going to be paid? Yeah, I mean, I think this whole question is, you know, like, look, your property gets damaged, but how responsible is the damager? if it's something that we didn't expect to happen. And I think that's basically the essential question of the short time. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this DAF. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.